What are you talking about? Hell no. Uh uh-uh, uh, that ain't gonna fly. Facts, homie. Straight facts. I just wanna keep it real. It's all I know. Fake news? Uh uh-uh. uh. Why would you do that? Exactly where did you get that from? Nah, can't believe it. Man, you gotta come with some papers. You got to show papers on that. This is it, man. This is the start. This is the start. Yeah, man, this is how it's gonna start. It, yes, man, real spiel. This is how it's gonna start. The show starts. Huh? Yes, man, the intro. Real spiel. Real spiel. Yes, real. Late night leads to early mornings. At least for me, they do. How's everybody doing out there in podcast listener land? If you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're doing well. Much love and respect as you get through your daily grind. Hope I can offer some type of escape from the madness that is today's world. Tonight, I'm reflecting on a conversation I had with my buddy Greg, and it's really got me thinking about the importance of perspective. Now, perspective is an interesting trait because I think it frames our reaction to literally everything. From a joke to a punch in the face, I think reactions can be anticipated but never masked or faked. Action, it can be planned. You can think about your action. You can think about what you want to do. It can be thought out. But reaction exposes genuine intent and character, always. Understanding individual perspective can ultimately lead to control over your reactionary behavior. Like for me, sitting in an empty car yelling at traffic. But arguably more significant is the ability to empathize different points of view. And this is mostly what my conversation with Greg was surrounding last night. Now more than ever, people are losing the ability to socially interact. Discourse is suffering as a result. Okay. I've taken part the last couple years in more intelligent debate on social media than I ever did spending four years on a college campus. And I graduated in 2013. Now, some might say, well, that's because you went to Florida State. And to those people, I'd say, screw you. But others might argue it says a lot about how I spent my time. And to an extent, they'd be right. Because I didn't embrace the undergraduate experience the way most did. I was more introverted and I didn't feel the need to join endless, countless societies and isolate myself in some type of bubble of like minded people with the same ambitions and the same outlook on the world, i.e. a fraternity or sorority. Nothing against those people, but it wasn't for me. In hindsight, I truly think that path was meant to challenge my better judgment. Now, I'm not talking about everyone's better judgment. I'm talking about from my own personal perspective. Attending a university, in my opinion, should illuminate qualities that you want to carry throughout adulthood, like confronting different notions of equality, sex, gender, race, or even self-esteem. All that is fundamental to the university experience. That's what you pay for, other than those drunken evenings and forgotten mornings. We don't appreciate the full benefits of diversity seeking people like us. Not in my opinion. 
it's a tribal characteristic that traces back to our hunter-gatherer evolution. That's why high school cafeterias to this day across America remain segregated, not by government mandate, but by societal inclination. I cannot be the only one who had a little Africa in their high school cafeteria. And we all know what little Africa represented. Now, following the lengthy conversation Greg and I had surrounding politics, social media, culture, a little bit of sports because he is a sports talk show host. We concluded that we're going to lose the country, at least Western civilization, if we can't come together over the most important issues. This leads me to Trump. Now, he noticed I was reading The American President, written by William Luchtenberg, who is a professor emeritus at University of North Carolina right now, but he's taught at Harvard, Stanford, a number of universities, and he recently wrote a synopsis, so to speak, of every president's term from Teddy Roosevelt up to Bill Clinton. All right. Their shortcomings, their successes, failures, everything having to do with the administration, all the dirt. You know, and this guy is like a 90 something year old historian who is more conservative than liberal. But I think he's pretty uh, objective when it comes to politics overall, more apolitical than anything. Now, he alluded to Greg, he alluded to uh, former POTUS Ronald Reagan as a fascinating figure when I told him that's the chapter I was on. But based on his tone, I presume he viewed Ron in some favorable terms. I didn't pounce on that opportunity to berate Greg's point of view, nor did I point out any of the excerpts in my book outlining the failures of Reagan's administration, nor the estranged relationship nor the estranged relationship between close friends and even some of his family members. I'll pull out a couple excerpts from the book and read them through the podcast that I have highlighted just to give you an idea of how those close to him viewed Reagan. But it would have been too easy to do those things because I have the knowledge and the information readily available. I just read the stuff. It wouldn't be fair for me to jump down his throat when he's not from when he's not coming from an equal footing, so to speak, in terms of the context. Now, I listened and offered my take on Reaganomics, to which he nodded in agreement, but he still felt the need to mention entitlements. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is how debate works. In a battle of wit and ideas, the better of the bunch usually went out. So don't fret. The problem today is people are afraid of that confrontation, those uncomfortable conversations. We got to get over it, people. That fear opens the door for louder, more volatile sex of society to fill the void. I don't know if you've noticed what's going on lately, but white nationalism is on the rise. Why do you think that is? It's because too many snowflakes are sitting in their safe spaces, afraid to confront the individuals that are trying to steal their rights. We need look no further than North Korea's hermit kingdom to comprehend the true impact, the true impact of state influenced fear tactics. A downtrodden population with no outlook other than that shared by their leader in quotes, Kim Jong Un. Nazi Germany, another intransigent 
example of how far conditions can digress if we allow them to. Now, is this where the U.S. is headed? We're all familiar with that axiom. History tends to repeat itself. Considering the current incapacity of our younger generations to embrace negative subject matter, the horizon looks a little bleak. I won't lie. Get this through your skull. Your inability to address hard topics doesn't enable them from affecting you. I hear people say all the time, I don't like to talk about politics. I don't like to talk about things that are negative. What the hell kind of coddled existence are you living? The world can be negative. If you choose not to deal with it, it's still going to kick you in the ass. Every time I get into politics with someone who supports Trump, it turns into, well, I don't agree with everything, but. It's the new boilerplate nomenclature that precedes any backing of a Trump policy. My new rule for people with this attitude is if your support requires a qualifying statement, you probably need a new perspective. That's all I have to say about perspective for the evening. That's my real spiel on pretty much what's going on in my head for the evening. I do still want to get into my favorite segment of this podcast, which is why say that? What did you say? I'm still working on the title, but all in all, it's a pretty decent segment. At least I love the production on it. Did he really just say that? Why would you say that? Funny how. I mean, what's funny about it? Tommy, no, you got it all wrong. Oh, oh, Anthony. He's a big boy. He knows what he said. What'd you say? No, no, I don't know. You said Did you really? No. No. Ain't no way. There's always a way, my friends. I usually have audio clips of people saying dumb stuff, but tonight I'm just going to read off, since we're on the theme of politics, some of Trump's most outrageous quotes since assuming the position of presidential candidate. All right. Not POTUS, but presidential candidate is some of the craziest things he said. Recently, he stated any negative polls are fake news, just like CNN, ABC, NBC polls in the election. Sorry, people want border security and extreme vetting. Now, I always find that interesting because people talk about extreme vetting for incoming foreigners when they pose less of a threat than the people you shop with at Walmart. Yet we don't vet them to purchase the shotgun that you can get in aisle 18. Just find that a little interesting. Watched protests but was under the impression that we just had an election. Why didn't these people vote? Celebs hurt calls badly. Sad. Now, the people did vote, Donald, and that's why you lost a popular vote by, I think the tally is close to 2 million, 3 million, depending on the fake poll, fake news you follow, but yeah. Next statement, we are going to have an unbelievable, perhaps record setting turnout for the inauguration, and there will be plenty of movie and entertainment stars. All the dress shops are sold out in Washington. It's hard to find a great dress for this inauguration. That's that's just a flat out lie. Next statement, happy new year to all. 
including to my many enemies and those who have fought me and lost so badly. They just don't know what to do. Period. Love. Exclamation point. <laughs> oh, man. This statement underneath him mocking Donald says that's not the best way to kick off the new year. I actually find that kind of comical, but not from a president. That's the difference here from a reality TV star. Hilarious from a president. Terrifying. It's kind of scary that we have to just accept that statement. The fact that he said about a whole race of people, some of them I assume are good, but the majority of them flooding into our country are rapists, criminals, and want to engage in that sort of behavior. It's just, it's wild that we understand a president said that there's nothing we can do about it. So we've reached a point of exhaustion with the temerity within Donald Trump to do the things and say the things that he has said and the things that he will do, right? People are comparing him to Hitler out of fear that he will act on the things that he's talking about. He's at least tried with some of the executive orders he signed. Anyway, I wanted to get into this excerpt from William Luchtenberg's book, The American President, which I alluded to earlier, just to sort of give you an idea of the similarities between a Reagan and Trump presidency. Over the course of the next four years, Reagan spun one narrative after another that was palpably untrue. In 1985, he recalled his horror at his first encounter with Nazi death camps as a signal corps photographer in Europe during World War II. He had never left the United States at any time during the war. More than once, he told the story of a heroic wartime pilot who, instead of bailing out and leaving wounded crewmen to his fate, said, Never mind, son, we'll ride it down together. Even when it was pointed out to the president that there was no way to know what one man said to another as they plunged to their deaths, he wouldn't be dissuaded. Reagan's tale, as it turned out, derived from a movie, A Wing and a Prayer, starring Dana Andrews. Witnesses to these whoppers realized Reagan was not lying, but had persuaded himself of the validity of these tales. Quote, he finds it next to impossible to say anything that is not in some crucial way untrue, end quote, wrote the journalist Jack Beatty. It's not a credibility gap, for there is no evidence of cynical or even conscious duplicity. The president is so far out of touch that it amounts to a reality gap, end quote. Still, listeners were often dumbfounded. His own daughter, Patty, said he has the ability to make statements that are so far outside the parameters of logic. They often leave you speechless. John Sloan, author of The Reagan Effect, has written in Reagan's mind, unpleasant facts could be avoided. Contradictions denied. Anecdotes could overcome facts. Movie illusions could substitute for history. Unpleasant realities could be blamed on a hostile press. Now, if that doesn't sound like a Donald Trump presidency, at least a month in, I'm not sure what does. And it's terrifying that history is slowly repeating itself over and over and over again. And people just won't pick up a book and notice they're making the exact same mistakes of their fathers and forefathers before them. But I'm not going to get into a history lesson right now. It's been a productive day. It's been a good night. And I think I've gotten out everything I need to get out about perspective and context and this Trump presidency. Um, 
obviously he's going to continue to say wild things and he's going to continue to inspire many people to speak out and do things like this podcasts, conversations with people who might have differing points of view about what's going on in the world. It'll force a discourse between people that normally wouldn't talk. It'll force people who normally wouldn't involve themselves in politics and civic issues to involve themselves, to protest, to reach out. I contacted um, my local uh, uh, congressman, one of the county representatives about um, HR 621 and 622 and got a response within a few days. That's not something I normally would have done, but I was sort of inspired by Jason Shevitt's proposal, HR 61 or HR 621 and 622 to start selling off huge pieces of public land to private industry because it terrifies me that that's an option that we're considering. But overall, everything currently happening is ultimately for the better because it's forcing discourse and dialogue that wouldn't normally take place. It's making people involve themselves in situations they wouldn't normally. It's opening people's eyes to different outlooks on life. It's making people understand that this nationalistic movement isn't just a state contained one. This is a global movement. Brexit, the Philippines electing Duarte as their president. There are a lot of figures like Trump coming to the forefront of society. And we have to look inward to determine what's making history repeat itself and what we can do to continue progressing instead of regressing back to the mean. But I'm going to let Forrest Gump conclude my thoughts on the matter. And that's all I have to say about that. Indeed it is. Well, once again, I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Remember to keep an open mind. Always keep an open mind. Put yourself in someone else's shoes and consider their perspective for once. This is Childish Gambino, Redbone, off his new album, Awaken My Love. Don't quote me, but it has some echoes of Isley Brothers, Bootsy Collins. Just let it soothe you. Good night. Thank you.